You are listening to Myth Behaving, a podcast with a little bit of attitude on the literary world. Won't you come Myth Behave with us? Hello and welcome to Myth Behaving. This is episode number 32 of the Myth Behaving podcast and we're recording on Sunday, June 29th, 2014. I'm Carla Clifton and I'm joined by my normal co-host and partner in crime, Mayor Wilson. Hey, Mayor, how are you? I'm fine. It's hot here. <laughs> I bet it's it the is. Desert. It is. We are in triple digits. Ouch. That is but so not too cool. bad because remember we hit triple digits really early June last year. So this is actually a better June than last year was. But yeah, right. it's hot. And I have a new puppy. Yeah, lots of exciting things going on. I know, I know. And it's been pretty warm here too. I mean, but um, not, not, not triple digits yet. Yeah, yeah, we, we hit them. Well, we're going into monsoon season too here in, in, uh, Southern Nevada, so it makes me giggle. That happens. You say. And hello, listeners! Each with behaving show features very special guests from the literary world. It could be a writer, publisher, agent, editor, or anyone else connected with the world of publishing. Plus, we have special, uh, several special segments related to reading or writing. in the library of a myth behavior. And that means it's time for something from the library of a myth behavior. Today, I'm not recommending a book. Today, I'm going to do something a little bit different, and I'm going to recommend another literary podcast, the Roundtable Podcast. It has valuable information. The list of guests is just incredible. They have several different types of segments at at the website, when you go to the website, there's different, there's a workshop one that they have authors come in and help people. And then they have other ones where they interview authors. So they've got all these different kinds of shows. It's fascinating. And it is led by the absolutely fantastic Dave Robison and his team of people. Well, that must mean our special guest today is Dave Robinson. Welcome to the show, Dave. And thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for inviting me. I am so ready to misbehave. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are especially happy to have you come misbehave with us, Dave, because when Carla and I first did our podcast, you were the very first person to welcome us to the world of podcasting, and that meant so much to both of us to to have that that welcome from a colleague, and it was just awesome. Since then, I've of course, I've gotten to know you through social media, and you're just always so much fun. You have a great sense of humor, so we're really looking forward to this show today. Well, I'm I'm delighted, and and I got to tell you, any anytime somebody you know puts on the the, the big pod podcaster boots and says I'm going to do up a podcast, they need all the support they can get. I think that's fabulous. So, and and your first show with with Tim Powers, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, my Tim God, Powers. that was brilliant because we had just interviewed him with uh, when I was hosting Protecting Project Pulp, an amazing guy, and yeah, and he I. Is. I love that podcast, so I was only too happy to help boost your guys' signal. Uh, uh, and, and here you are at, at episode 32 and going strong. We are. We're, we've been doing this a little over a year and a half now and having a blast at it. Carla and I have gotten <laughs> to talk to so many 
fabulously talented and fun people. It has just been delightful. I'm with you right there. Same same thing on the roundtable side. Just a, just just a delight to really just kind of swim in other people's waters for a while. Well, you're working on your own book right now too. I am, and I'm not doing it alone. Uh, I'm actually working with uh, with uh, four other authors, uh, uh, three three other authors at this point. Uh, uh, we're, we're, it's a collaborative shared world story, uh, uh, and it's it's. It's it's been an experience and a half. Uh, the story universe itself, I've been working on for probably over a decade, and it 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 was just it was time to start doing something with it. Uh, and I was approached by Antimatter Press uh, to to use this story world, the Shattered Worlds, is what it's called. Uh, as as sort of like this vehicle, this this framework for a, a, a series of serialized stories that would be gathered together into one massive epic omnibus tale. Uh, uh, and I said, that's fabulous, but I really don't want to do that alone. There are so many gifted, gifted writers out there that bring such a... Uh, a diverse and, and, and exciting vision to their work. I wanted to fuse all of that together into one experience because the shattered worlds is a very diverse environment uh, uh lots of different worlds woven together floating in this infinite void joined by the rift walkers uh, uh taking people and ships and and information from one one world one reality shard to another and it's like with that kind of setting that kind of environment it really invites a lot of different perspectives so i invited uh alistair stewart who is the host of uh, uh let's see host of pseudopod uh over at escape artist he also uh, uh hosts escape uh escape pod from time to time uh, a, a literary man on many levels uh i also invited uh colin f barnes uh who has written uh, the texasist series fabulous series uh, cyberpunk series uh, uh, Sarah Chorn, who runs the Bookworm Blues, uh, book review site. Very insightful young woman. And, and, and I had also invited Mercedes Yardley, uh, who is, uh, uh, just this lush, lyrical, uh, horror writer. Uh, so I've got cyberpunk. I've got, you know, general, uh, all around genre fiction with, uh, uh, Alistair, uh, and Sarah. I've got horror with, Mercedes, and then my own aesthetic that I'm bringing to it. So all of us joined together, and we're writing this this epic story called "Chasing the Devil: The Memoirs of a Reluctant Pirate." I love it. <laughs> wow, I love it. When is this due out, Dave? Well, we're still we're still in the writing process. We the plan was <laughs> anytime you, anytime you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans because right. <laughs> that ain't the way it works. The plan was we started in April, on April fifteenth, and the plan was we would all we we outlined the story and we were all going to write all of our sections simultaneously and have it be this big cross weaving thing, and we do it in a month, and everybody would write thirty thousand words in a month, and you know. NaNoWriMo is 50,000 words, and we'd all done Nano before, so we could pull that off. So I figured, no problem. Uh, yeah, the, the, there were there were complications that came up. Uh, Scheduling-wise, there was the fact that, you know, I knew this world 
from working on it for 10 years uh, and had created a wiki to help support the authors as they explored it. But that doesn't, that's not the same thing as actually being in that world and being ready to write in it. So there was a lot of support that I gave to the writers. How does this work? How does that work? What, what's rift walking? You know, how does the void work? Blah, blah, blah. Uh, and some lots of bouncing back and forth as far as character development and plot arc and what we were trying to achieve. So the idea of writing this 150,000 word novel in a month, it was a sound concept, <laughs> but, but didn't quite happen. Uh, so we're still in the process of writing that, uh, uh, and uh, hopefully the first draft will be knocked out by the end of this month, so in just a couple of days. Uh, uh, we'll start the revision process, the rewrite process, we'll get Antimatter Press involved with them uh, uh, to make sure that the story has continuity and, and just that, that, that sense of, of event that you want your stories to have and the characters are consistent, the world is consistent. So we're looking, long story short, <laughs> we're looking probably early 2015. Uh, and it's going to be released serialized, so you're going to be able to get pieces of it uh, uh, initially every every week or every month. I'm not sure what the release cycle is. Uh, uh, but it's going to be hit and stand so you can get a little taste of it. And if, if you like it, then you can you know get the whole omnibus version. So, so beginning of 2015 is what we're looking at. That's a great idea. Mm. It's, it's, it's been a challenge. I'll be the first to admit, but it's also been incredibly inspiring and, and rewarding. I think for everybody, just in terms of broadening, broadening their craft, when, when you have to work with some, have to, when you choose to work with somebody else, you're kind of, you're, you're opening up your creative process to, to an alien, to somebody who doesn't think like you do. Uh, uh, and of course there's respect all around the table, but there's still that, that strangeness of your creative inspirations and sparks and, and that process. And then having somebody else investing in it with you and it throws you for a loop. It, 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 there, there are boundaries that are tested. There's, 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 buttons that are pushed but as long as you're committed to the project and and keep your eye on the fact that this is the 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 whole is greater than the sum of its parts and you're committed to that concept you make it work and we really have it's it's been remarkable i think that's amazing (laughs) well wait until the book comes out and then then we can come back and we'll talk about that and and we'll see how amazing it turned out but it's certainly been a great process for me and the team well we're certainly going to hold you to that one you're going to have to come (laughs) no kidding absolutely we'll have you back consider it done we'll make it a date of truth and mythery Of Truth and Mythery is a segment where we take a commonly held publishing or writing belief and examine whether it's true or just another myth. Dave, feel free to answer this one with us. You must read a lot if you're going to be a writer. (laughs) First and foremost, anytime a sentence includes the words must, it's, that sends up flags for me because, because I mean, really, this, this craft is, is as unique as, as every individual that's telling the tale. So, so really, anytime somebody throws a must at you, 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 you gotta, you gotta look at that really closely. Now, that said, um, I, I've heard this before. Uh, we all have. And 
honestly, I kind of feel like this particular writing canon uh, misses the point. Uh, I think actually it, it's kind of indicative of a symptom of a, of a much larger and, and far more profound condition of, of the writer's uh, uh, process uh, because it really kind of speaks to the spirit of the storyteller. Uh, if, if, you in, if, you, if you want to write, that means you, you have, I don't know, consumed that desire. You love the story. You, you, you enjoy immersing yourself in a tale, surrendering to somebody else's adventure, whatever form or shape it takes. Uh, uh, and because of that, that love and that, that, that uh, commitment to that storytelling vibe, it, it almost follows that you would read, uh, uh, that you would read a lot because you love that storytelling process, uh, uh, so much so that you actually want to participate in it and become a storyteller yourself. Uh, now from a craft perspective, yes, absolutely. Reading other authors gives you, uh, if you read them with an eye towards understanding more about what you want to do as a writer, it's an incredibly valuable experience because, because you learn how to, how to describe things effectively, efficiently, uh, how, how to develop a character, how to describe a character. Cause that's one of, one of the biggest challenges. How do you describe what the protagonist looks like, uh, uh, without having them walk in front of a mirror, uh, and describe themselves in narration? Uh, so there's all of these, these nuances of the craft that you get from reading another author's works. Uh, uh, but I think the, the notion that you must, uh, uh, if, if it becomes a must, if it becomes a chore, if it's become something that you have to do because you want to be a writer, maybe you want to reevaluate if you really want to be a writer or not. Because, uh, if you love storytelling, you love stories and you consume them at every possible turn. That's a great answer. That is such, you've got such a neat perspective on that too. Thank you. Thank because you. Because we hear that all the time. Well, if you want to write, you better read. I mean, we've, we've all heard that. We've all been told that. Sure. Well, and, and, but if you want to write, then it's, it, I've always considered it kind of a foregone conclusion that you, that you read. Now, it, it's interesting because storytelling isn't just about writing. Uh, uh, you know, there's, there's the theatrical impulse. And it's interesting. We have, I think we've got like a 62% ratio of writers and, and authors who have been on the Roundtable podcast who also have a theater background, uh, which I find very interesting. And I think really speaks to that, that desire to tell a story in any way possible, in any medium possible. Uh, uh, so that theatrical impulse is very much a part of it too. And movies and radio drama, uh, television. I mean, there are so many frameworks that these stories come to us in and, and we consume them. But really reading is probably one of the most profoundly interactive storytelling environments because you get to decide as the reader, you know, as whatever input or stimulus you get from the, the author and, and the telling of the tale, you still have to envision it yourself. So, so kind of like audio drama is theater of the mind. So is, so is reading, I think, in that respect. I'd agree with that. I definitely agree with that. But then I'm from theater too. So, uh huh. 63%. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha. 
Uh, yeah, when I was when I was reading your bio, I'm like, oh, I didn't realize he was another theater person. I should have known that. <laughs> oh God, yes. As I'm sitting here talking, my hands are waving, and yep, my yep. you know the whole thing. Absolutely. Well, Dave, let's talk about your your life as a podcaster for a moment. What yeah. exactly got you into podcasting? Well. Uh, two things, actually. Uh, uh, there was a foundational experience when I was living in Colorado. This was back in the early 2000s. Uh, when I started up an audio drama company, my wife and I started up a nonprofit audio theater company called Rabbit Hole Radio Theater. Uh, and we did it through this very cool, very progressive uh, uh, community theater company called Open Stage Theater in Fort Collins, Colorado. And this is, this was just when digital sound and, and MP3s and WAV files were, were starting to become really accessible in the world. And suddenly it got a lot easier to, to get people behind a mic and record their voices and mix it together into a, a, a complete production. So for three years, uh, my wife and I, with the help of, oh my God, at least 250 volunteers by the time we were all said and done, we produced over 40 hours of audio drama of, of just, you know, sound effects and music and, and the whole thing. It was amazing. Uh, so that process really kind of laid the foundation for me because I had the, the experience with the sound and the microphones and the, the mixing of audio. There, there was no intimidation there for me. So it was a tool that I was very comfortable with. Uh, flash forward to, let's see, I guess it would be about two, two and a half, three years ago. Uh, we moved to Tennessee and I had, a one-hour commute, one way. So so two hours a day, I was stuck in commuter traffic. And if I didn't distract myself, there was going to be death on the highways of the Tennessee uh, uh, highways and byways. It was just going to happen. So uh, a friend of mine uh, suggested podcasts, that there's a lot of great audio fiction out there. And so I did, and I started listening to Dan Sawyer's Down from Ten. I listened to Mer Lafferty's uh, uh, Heaven series. I listened to Starla Hutchton's uh, The Dreamer's Thread. All of these wonderful stories. Uh, uh, and as, as you well know, as soon as you start consuming podcast audio fiction, you end up discovering about these personalities. And there's a lot of cross-pollination. It's like, oh, by the way, I do this podcast over here called I Should Be Writing. And so I said, well, I'll listen to that. Boom. And, and suddenly there's this whole world of people doing podcasts and talking about writing. It's like, well, I like writing. I'll, I'll get into that. Well, there's one podcast called the Dead Robot Society. Uh, uh, and at the time it was Justin McCumber, Terry Mixon, and Eliana Kaiser. And periodically, every now and then, they would do a brainstorming episode where one of them would bring a story concept onto the show. And they'd brainstorm it and say, we could do this, we could do that. What if you did this? Ba, ba, ba. And I loved those episodes. They were amazing because I'd be sitting there in the, in the car shouting at my speaker going, yes, but you're overlooking this brilliant plot twist that you could do. And, and I really, <laughs> there, there's an old joke in the theater community. Mary, you've probably heard this one. It's, it's how many actors does it take to screw in a light bulb? It takes 1,001 actors to screw in a light bulb, one to screw it in, and the other 1,000 to say, oh, hell, I can do that. Yep. <laughs> yep, it's the truth. And and I'm sitting there listening to this, well, it's like, oh, hell, I can do this. And then I thought, no, really, I can do this. So I got to think, it got to be a great podcast, nothing but, nothing but we could bring on cool authors and then bring on guest writers and do, do, do brainstorming sessions all the time and, and talk to some very cool people. Sadly, I had 
absolutely no street cred whatsoever. Nobody knew Dave Robinson from from Arnold Schneebly. Nobody knew me. So so the notion of me just popping onto the scene and saying, hey, let's do this. I, I didn't think that was possible. I have since learned it was very possible that the, the podcast community is incredibly embracing uh, uh, and, and very supportive of, of new voices uh, uh, in the crowd. But I didn't know that at the time. So I reached out to my good friend, Brian Humphrey, because by God, if I was going to be humiliated, I was not going to be humiliated alone. <laughs> so you bring on a co-host. Uh, and Brian and I knew each other from, from Colorado way back. There's, there's actually, we, we'd sit in his backyard and we'd brainstorm game ideas and stories and, and discuss why a movie worked or didn't, blah, blah, blah. There's a rut in the back of, of Brian's yard where I paced. Uh, it's called Dave's Rut. Uh, but I got Brian on and we reached out to, uh, to some podcast luminaries and they were very responsive. We put out the call to some writers and they said, yeah, sure, I'll, I'll brainstorm. And that's how it all started. And from there, it's just been once a week, uh, 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 interview, 20 minutes of interview with a, an awesome, uh, uh, individual of the, of the publishing or, or authorial bent. Uh, and then uh, a 45 minute brainstorm session with uh, a very cool and very courageous, uh, young writer who has a, an idea they want to make better. The, the, the tagline is, we, we transform raw ideas into literary gold. Ooh. <laughs> I love that tagline. Yeah, I've seen that tagline. <laughs> so that's how it all started. It was, it was a series, a sequence of, of random events. But ultimately, it came down to the fact that it was something that I was passionate about, something that excited me, uh, and something that would... And it wasn't just me. I think it was it was the fact that I could get together with a group of people, and this this has been a common theme in my life. Uh, uh, you know, from tabletop role playing games to to theater to to podcasting, it, it's it's about gathering awesome people together and and having a single goal in mind, working through off of each other's strengths and shoring up each other's weaknesses until you achieve that destination, whatever it is. And that for me is, is an incredible rush. It is a rush putting these things together. Mm -hmm. I, ha I have fun with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, and you, you guys have the same experience. I mean, I've, uh, every interview you've had, I've listened to several of them. And, and inevitably, there's a, there's a spark point. There's a Kindle point where somebody says something and somebody else says, ooh, yeah, and, and get it, get it, get it, get it. And, and bam, and suddenly you're sparking all over the place like, like, a, like a car engine. Uh, and, and that really is when you discover uh, uh, that, that your passions are not exclusively your own, that there are those that share those excitements and those inspirations. And when you find those people, you realize you're not alone. And that's an incredibly empowering discovery. You so remind me of a podcast that I listened to called 48 Days by Dan Miller. And, and, and one of the things that he talks about in, in almost every one of his podcasts is, you know, in fact, his book was 48 Days to the Work You Love, you know, oh, and so okay. it's, it's got to be a passion. It's got to be something that you're very passionate about to where it doesn't seem like work, you know, yeah. so it sounds like you have discovered your passion 
I have. I have. Now I just need to find a way to make that passion replace the day job. So exactly. I can do it all the time. <laughs> We're both looking for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I'm a firm well, believer that, that the universe will find a way somehow, some way. Absolutely. It's time for MythPrint, tips and tricks of the industry. Well, it's time for another one of our special segments. MythPrint includes a basic tip concerning writing, marketing, or anything else to do with the industry. Dave, you've had such great info on your show. What do you feel is one of the most important tips for a writer that you've heard? God, this is an evil question. The evil question. I know. <laughs> to You're filter... welcome. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, it's. Uh, but and and you know, as as evil as it is to try and make somebody pick from this this veritable cornucopia of awesomeness strewn out before you, it's 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 a good question because it really forces you to articulate something that that you were really only aware of in kind of a squishy, uh, vague sort of ephemeral way. So, so I'm, I'm going to cheat. Uh, if, if I can just, I can, I, I can distill down so many of the astonishing things and discoveries that, that I found on the podcast into two core concepts. I'm sorry, not just one tip, but two. Excellent. Uh, is that okay? It's okay. Okay, good. Phew. <laughs> no, no, Dave, leave the podcast now. Uh, no. Okay. So one is that writing is a process, not an isolated event. And two, trust, listen to, and understand your inspiration. Those are the two distilled elements that I think, certainly for me, have, have been the most profound. Um, because, so many new writers, and my, myself included, I count myself as very much a new writer. There, there's this feeling that the, the first words that flow out of your fingertips and stride across the keyboards are somehow like the only words you're going to get to write. Uh, uh, and that as such, they have to be perfect. If, if that paragraph I just wrote isn't perfect, I suck. And... That's just not true. <laughs> that is, in fact, that's the exact opposite because there's, you know, inescapable writing truth number 237. The story that you start to write is never the story you end up writing. <laughs> Inevitably along the way, you're going to find new things, new, you're going to discover new things about characters, about a cool plot twist. I don't care how much you've outlined, uh, or, or how meticulously you've sworn you're going to follow that outline. BS. You are going to change. Things are going to evolve. And that first draft is just about getting the story down. And one of the most liberating things for me was when I embraced that. Uh, and suddenly my word count shot up. Uh, uh, I was finishing stories instead of having a bunch of half-started ones on my hard drive. Uh, uh, and, and yes, those stories are in no condition to be shown to anybody, but they're done. And now I can go back and work, you know, whatever my unique mojo is and everybody's got their own to make that work. So that writing is a process. You do it once, you do it twice, you do it three times, accept that, embrace that. As soon as you do, you are suddenly free to write. That's powerful. The, the other thing, uh, uh, do you guys agree? 
with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Good. Good. No, I, I, no, no. These, these. I absolutely, I agree with you. Okay. Okay. I, I kind of thought so, and that's one of the truths that you know so many authors and writers uh, put out there. But it's, I, I can't help but affirm it. Now, the other one that I don't think is affirmed nearly as enough is the idea of trusting, listening to, and understanding your inspiration. Uh, uh, and I'm, I'm sure you guys have seen this. It was out in the interwebs uh, for a while. It's still there. Uh, Ira Glass had this wonderful talk uh, uh, about how the biggest hurdle for new writers uh, uh, is that they have this fabulous sense of taste uh, and they have utter crap for skill. So you've got this incredible aesthetic. You know what you like. You know what a good book is. And you start writing and you realize what you're writing isn't a good book. Uh, and, and, you know, that's, and, and the solution to that, of course, is to keep writing, to, to, to evolve your craft, to get to the point where you become a better writer, where what you're writing is closer to your sense of taste and aesthetic. Um, and what I've found for me that has brought me closer to that, uh, is, is the discovery that skilled writers, authors that have done this many, many, many times have learned to examine their their inspiration you know we 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 see a movie we read a book where it's like oh that's so cool but why is it cool how is it cool you know or 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 the reverse applies you know god that sucked well why why did it suck how what is it about that that made it fall short of being a satisfying experience and I think veteran writers have learned that when they have that emotional response, that you start looking for structures and patterns within the things that inspired that reaction so that you can actually deconstruct what it is about the things you love that makes you love them. And once you're able to do that, once you can look at something and, and understand why you think it's so cool. What you've done is you, you've created a roadmap, uh, a, 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 a diagram on how to reconstruct that feeling, but with your own words. That was a that was a revelation for me. I love that. Does that make sense? I don't, no, I don't know. It makes com- yeah, it makes okay. complete sense to me. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> well, it's, 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 you know, we, we are, we are as writers, as artists, I think a bundle of emotional responses and we live in there. We, you know, we have those responses to, to things, whether it's a, a, a scene or, or a flower or, or whatever it is, something somebody says, it just strikes us and we respond very emotionally. And, and by applying some of that analytic writerly craft to that response, it's 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 filling up our toolkits and and giving us tools that we can then use to recreate that in our own writing. And it's fun too. Yes, it is, and very self-discovery oriented. You but it, it's fun. It's like you know, taking your favorite author or your favorite TV show or your favorite film or whatever. See, to me, that's just fun. But that's the that's the theater in me, uh, maybe. Sure, know. absolutely. Well, and you, you know, you watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. or whatever. It's like, God, that's so cool. Why? Why is it cool? 
And as soon as you start being able to to articulate that, and then it takes time to to get the vocabulary conceptually and verbally to do that. But once you start being able to, like I say, deconstruct that, suddenly, first of all, two things happen. One, you 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 have more tools in your toolkit as a writer. Two, uh, uh, mediocre. You you start losing patience and and have no time for mediocre stories and mediocre storytelling because you know what's wrong and it's like this is not going to get better i have better things to do you become a very poor audience member unless it's awesome i didn't become a poor audience member for 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 film and stage and 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 tv surprisingly enough but when i started writing my mm. i've been reading since i was 4 i mean to not have a book going, I can't. I can't remember a time in my life when I did not have at least one book going. But for the first time in my life since I started writing, there are books I don't finish, and Ooh. that never happened before. <laughs> never <laughs> happened before. It was like if I, I had one book in all those years, I had one book I just could not finish. But everything else, I made sure I finished it. But. Interestingly enough, so I find what you're saying is really, really resonating with me because that is so true. <laughs> yep, yep, and and we all we all cultivate that in whether we're aware of it or not in in the things that we do. I think I think conscious living cultivates that. You know, that you can you can kind of breeze through life and just kind of bounce off things, but but that the examined life, as as the saying goes, I, I, I think enriches us uh, uh, and makes us better participants therein. That's a good point. Well, your work includes so many different aspects. You're a writer. You're a podcaster. You've got a theater background. You're you social media, very busy with that. What do you love most about what you do? Well, <laughs> I guess first I need to figure out exactly what it is that I do. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, because as you say, there's, there's this whole melange of, of things that, that not only capture my attention, but that I choose to invest my time and, and my passions into. Ultimately, I guess if, if I had to nail it down, I collaborate. Uh, uh, that, that, that's what I do ultimately. It, podcasting, theater, uh, social media, it, it, it's an engagement. It's, it's, it's a celebration. Uh, of of diversity, I guess uh, a diversity of of perspective and and spirit that it, it makes us who we are. Uh, you know, going going back to that whole the whole is is greater than the sum of its parts. When I do what I do, I get to discover that I get to see that. You know, when I'm brainstorming with with uh, uh, some amazing people, and I do it so often, be jealous because it's my life. <laughs> I get to, I get, I get to realize that you know my contribution, her contribution, his contribution, each of them alone is nice, but together it becomes this amazing thing that no one can truly own, uh, save from, through that collective. Uh, process that we all chose to engage in. So, so it's, it's, I, I guess what I love most about it is it's that, that engagement with that profound quality of, of the human spirit, that, that, that power to create. I want to be in that. And everything that I do that I try to commit my time to, uh, I, I make sure that there is that aspect to it, that invitation 
to play uh, uh, and then the play itself where we're all invested and all engaged uh, uh, in, in, in that creative uh, crucible of, of making stuff. That's, that's what I love most. Well, is there anything <laughs> about your work that you don't like? <laughs> uh, linear time sucks. <laughs> <laughs> there is not enough time. I need a TARDIS. I need a freaking TARDIS so I can just pop out in time and just do all the stuff I want to do. Um, but, <laughs> but other than that, I guess uh, one, one of the biggest frustrations for me in, in doing this is inevitably I will run into people who don't see the incredible power, the 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 talent, the gifts that, that they possess in such abundance. Uh, there's okay, it's 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 this prevailing mindset that that I run into time and again that that requires some sort of of external validation of your internal gifts that 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 somehow if someone else doesn't like your work then you failed or or that if you don't get published you're not a real writer uh and that makes me crazy because the truth is <laughs> here, here here's here's another you know dave's life lesson number 1046 publication is just a symptom it's a side effect of of the true gift which is a love of telling a good story. And, and when, when you set your goals for, I want to be published, you're, you're setting your sights on a symptom. The real power, the real mojo is not seeing your work on the, on the shelves of Barnes and Noble. As awesome as that will be someday for all of us, I have no doubt, <laughs> but the real profoundly inspiring and and revelationary aspect of that whole equation is is the writer's love of telling a good story and in that more than anything else uh i i think is where we celebrate and i see so few people uh, uh choosing to do so so that's that's if there's one thing i don't like it's when i run against that We talked a little bit earlier about your collaboration with mm-hmm. with the book. What is it like to write <laughs> with somebody else? From just from the just from the personal because see I don't write with anybody else. I sure. I, I write alone. Well, I do when you pull in my beta writers and my editor and things like that. But but I don't start off that way. It's it's me in my room and the dogs. Sure. But with you, you're you're doing this with other people. What is it like to write with other folks like that? It's uh, it, it's it's many things. Um, it's 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 challenging uh, first and foremost because until until you actually sit down to collaborate with someone, all of your creative processes are very internal. You're, you know, you might be inspired by external things, an image, a, a phrase, a piece of dialogue, a, a piece of writing, whatever. Um, but, but the, the part of you that takes that and turns it into something that you then want to express is, is very intimate and very personal. 
Uh, so as soon as you engage in a collaboration, suddenly that process is no longer intimate and personal. Uh, uh, it's, it's, it, it is, but you've invited other people into that. So the challenge for that is to be able to adapt, to, to adapt to new ideas where you're, you realize that your inspirations, while being perfectly valid, uh, uh, and, and probably awesome, uh, uh, are being presented in a context that is no longer limited to just your perspective, but those you're collaborating with. And that can be <laughs> very frustrating. Uh, uh, and, and there's a lot of, of having to explain yourself or feeling like you have to explain yourself. I certainly feel that, uh, that I haven't articulated an idea fully enough because if you're not jumping all over my idea, clearly I haven't articulated it well enough because it's brilliant. <laughs> you also have to let that go. There's there's a lot of shelving of the ego uh, in favor of the the overall story. So when somebody puts a new idea out on the table and it doesn't fit your modality, it doesn't fit the structure that you've been ev- evolving, the first thing you do is not... <laughs> look for holes and try and criticize it, the first thing to be done, and this is the real challenge, is to, okay, how does that fit? How would that look? And that 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 level of surrender, that level of, of trust, and that level of participation is probably both the biggest challenge and the biggest inspiration I've found with the process. Because especially for me as, as the, the, the IP holder, the intellectual property holder, this is my world. But Alistair and Colin and Mercedes and Sarah all have expanded that world in ways that I could never have done alone. And when I step back and look at the influx of, of depth and scope and magnitude that their participation in that world has brought i can be nothing but grateful uh and stand amazed at that so so for first-time collaborators you know take those new ideas bring them into your modality try them on for size honestly not reluctantly embrace them as a possibility don't criticize them as, a, as like some virus that's going to infect your creative body. It will, but it, it'll do it in wonderful, wonderful ways. Great answer. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, authors work in so many different ways. As an author, are you a planner outlining everything, making extensive notes, or are you a pantser flying by the seat of your pants and letting your book just go wherever it will? Yes. Uh, especially well in collaboration see now that's that's an interesting question in in my unique perspective because of the collaborative nature of things there needs to be structure there needs to be an outline so so we sat down and and i had a a rough outline and then the, the the five of us together kind of worked out uh, 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 over Skype conversations and so on, events and progressions and evolution. So, so there was, you know, a 15 section, uh, uh, breakdown of this happens in section one, this happens in section two, blah, blah, blah. But they were only, depending on how verbose I was feeling, uh, uh, three or four, maybe five paragraphs. Uh, so, you know, these are 10,000 word sections that we were writing. 
So inevitably, there's going to be some some pantsing in there. Yes, these key events, these these tentpole events to the plot and the evolution of these characters has to occur. But whatever else happens in there, you go for it. And it was interesting as we went through the process uh, because people would write things, we were writing simultaneously, so nobody knew what each other was writing in for our first section. In the second and third sections, everybody else's uh, vernacular, some of their phrasing, some of their character twer- quirks that they had teased out in their own pieces infected everyone else's. Uh, and that was incredible. So, I, I, I honestly, I don't care how strict an outliner you are, things will change. Uh, uh, so I, I tend to just embrace that. It's like, I do like a structure. I like to have a sense that I, I know where the plot twist is. I know where the dun-dun-duns are. But I'm also knowledgeable enough to know that I'm going to find things out along the way that are going to totally put that to the torch. And that's okay. You need a roadmap before you can go off on the side roads, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so what's next for you? Do you have any more projects in the wings? Ha, ha, ha. Ha, 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 yes. Well, uh, uh, the round table uh, is firing up again. Uh, we were on hiatus for a little over a year uh, while I was dealing with some family health issues. Uh, those have since resolved. Uh, and it's, it's time to, to fire up the literary gold engines again. Uh, so early January, uh, probably January 4th, if I have my way, uh, we're actually going to start going through some backlog. We had a couple of episodes that were already in the can uh, when I went on, when I put the podcast on hiatus. Uh, so we're going to work through those. And then we just recorded our first new episode in over a year uh, with Cat Rambo as the, the guest host. And uh, I had Moses Siragar as my, my co-host in that. And that was awesome. So the roundtable is an ongoing thing, and it always will be. I, I can't imagine my life without it. Uh, uh, there is, of course, Chasing the Devil. That's going to be a project that uh, is going to consume my time as well. But I also am working on creating short stories that I want to release prior to the release of the novel that will serve as kind of, not necessarily teasers to the novel, but teasers to the story verse. Uh, uh, some insights into some of the mechanics of like how rift walkers work or how magic or the gods or, or, you know, what is a reality shard and so on and so forth. And just little, you know, it might be flash fiction. It might be whatever. Uh, but I want to have a body of work out there that people can sample and taste. Like, oh, that sounds interesting. Tell me more. Uh, and I don't want to do that alone. I'm opening that up for, for anyone. I'm, I'm building the Shattered Worlds website even as we speak. Uh, uh, and, and, and inviting writers who want to play in this playground to, yeah, let's whip up a bit of flash fiction about what, what an Ergon warrior thinks while he's eating his, you know, roast haunch of kublaka or whatever. <laughs> so. <laughs> exciting things, in other yes. words. Lots many, of exciting things. Many creative, exciting storytelling things. Absolutely. Sounds fun. <laughs> I hope so. I dearly hope so, because if not, I ain't doing it. <laughs> there you go. Well, we've seen a lot of changes in the industry just in the last couple of years. Mm. How do you feel about those changes and how they've impacted your own work? I, well, you know, I, as I was mentioning with the, um, with the audio drama back in the early 2000s, uh, uh, that, that 
evolution of wave and mp3 and digital audio opened up a new avenue of expression for me that wasn't there before it just simply wasn't feasible it wasn't practical now we've got ebooks now we've got tumblr now we've got podcasting we've got all of these amazing technologies that basically if you sum it all up from social media or whatever it's giving people a voice and that excites the hell out of me because i i think there there is nothing more more redeeming more redemptive for a person than for them to be able to express what they're feeling uh <laughs> and the downside of that is of course that 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 you know, people think that what they're feeling and what they're saying is more important than what anybody else is saying and feeling. And we get flame wars and internet contention, which has become kind of a, a hallmark of, of the, the cyber worlds. And I think that's just because we're in our adolescence with this. I mean, if you look at it, it hasn't been that long. It's been, you know, five years, really, uh, uh, maybe a little bit more. The social media has really taken root in our consciousness and become a part of how we do what we do. We're still children in that. Uh, uh, and it excites me to know that the people that want a voice can have it. Uh, uh, and, and whether it's ebook or podcasting or a, a song or whatever through SoundCloud, I, 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 I encourage it heartily and, and shame on anyone who tries to put a gate on that kind of expressive creativity. I, I, I will take, take that to the streets uh, and, and fight to keep that free and open as long as possible. Here, here. <laughs> Power to the people. Viva la revolution! <laughs> <laughs> the myth number is... And now it's time for Myth Nomer, our word or phrase for the day. And today's phrase in honor of Dave is podcast. <laughs> Dave, do you have any tips for those who want to create their own podcasts? What would you tell them? Oh, God. Um, how much time do we have? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the Reader's Digest version. <laughs> right. Got it. Okay. Actually, I, I was on a panel at Balticon recently. Um, and, uh, we were talking about this very thing. We were also talking about interviewing people, uh, and fascinating panel. And uh, ultimately, I think the best advice that I can give anyone who, who is feeling that urge to, to start your own podcast, uh, is to have something to say more than anything else. Uh, and, and it's, it's, it's really kind of interesting because Writers, you know, this is a writing podcast. Let's talk about how writers do this. Writers often start by writing fan fiction, where we, we, we take worlds and characters that are already created and we just kind of work inside of that framework. And I think a lot of podcasters do that too. I think, I think we hear a, a review podcast or a movie podcast or whatever. And, and we think, Ooh, I want to, I want to play in that world as well. And by all means, do so. Uh, but along the way, and, and and you both, Kara, Mayor and Carla, have, have done a wonderful job of this, of finding your own voice within that thing that excites you. Uh, because your unique perspective uh, uh, is, is what is most important in any podcast. You know, yes, it's lovely to have guests. It's lovely to have awesome guests. It's lovely to talk about awesome things. But it's the individuals who are hosting, who are guiding the course of that podcast 
their their hand, their their voice, their perspective is what flavors the content in a way that will make it interesting and exciting. So be very clear about what it is you want to say. It's not just a writing podcast. It's your writing podcast. Great advice. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, everyone has their own personal myths, things a lot of people think about us that may or may not be true, their own personal myth behaviors. <laughs> what myth behavior do people believe about you that is absolutely not true? You know, in 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 listening to your podcast, I, I, I've run into this segment and, and I thought about it. It's like, I, I got nothing. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized, actually, there is. I was, I was talking to a, a, a writer friend uh, uh, several weeks ago and he had just finished a book. And I said, holy crap, congratulations. Your words are out there now changing the world. And he responded with, well, there's no need to resort to hyperbole. <laughs> <laughs> and I, you know, if you've listened to the roundtable, you know that I have, I have, I am the undisputed king of the overblown, exaggerated introduction. Uh, uh, I, 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 I take five minutes at least and introduce these these writers and it is fraught with these grand sweeping phrases and this is the this is awesome this is fabulous this is earth-shaking and shattering and i think people believe that i exaggerate i think that's my myth behavior people think that i exaggerate and i am here to tell you both and tell all of your listeners that when i say the things i do when i say that my friends words are out there changing the world i mean it I mean a book that's out in the world, even if only one other person reads it. <laughs> You've changed that person. And through the, the, the ripple effect of existence that none of us can escape, you have altered the course of someone's life. Maybe not dramatically, maybe not profoundly, not initially, but uh, the things that I find exciting, very few other people do. and. It's just the way that I look at things and, and I cannot help but do it. So when I, when people claim that I exaggerate, no, I believe what I'm saying. You think I'm exaggerating, but I'm not. It's, the it's truth. that theater background, Dave. It's that theater background because <laughs> I do the same thing. So I sympathize with you. I get very excited about things and then people think I'm exaggerating. I'm not. No. No, I'm very sincere. So I'm I'm right there with you, dear. <laughs> We're not alone in in our hyperbolic <laughs> hyperbolic arcs. <laughs> okay. Now what misbehavior do people believe about you that really is true? <laughs> uh that one's easy. Everybody thinks I am upbeat and positive all the time. It's true. I am. <laughs> Uh, uh, it's, 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 I, you know, even when I'm down, even, even when, and, and, you know, I, it's, it's not like I'm constantly running on 11, uh, at all times, but the world that I live in is an amazing place. Uh, uh, and, and, you know, I, when I, when I like, and it goes back to 
my misbehavior that isn't true. I, I see wonder all around me uh, uh, in, in people, in things, in choices that are being made. Uh, uh, and, and even, you know, I get depressed, I get bummed, I look at news and I go, really, what are you doing? Holy crap. But I, it's all set against a backdrop of, you know, Louis C.K. talks about, uh, uh, sitting on a plane and having some guy next to him complaining that his Wi-Fi on the plane isn't hooking up. <laughs> and Louis C.K. says, dude, you are in an enormous metal can that is hurtling through the air at 30,000 feet. That's freaking awesome. And you're bitching about the Wi-Fi? <laughs> that's, that's my life right there. That's my life. I think life. you posted that or somebody posted <laughs> that not too long ago because I saw that and I loved it. I think it was you. Yeah. Um, and I loved that. I thought that was such a fabulous, fabulous answer. Yep. Yep, truth. And the other thing is, do it. Is he always getting new ideas? Yes, he is. Ask my wife. Uh, <laughs> my <laughs> wife is so fed up with, oh, baby, we could do this. We could do that. The first three or four times she said, yeah, let's do it. After that, she's putting on the brakes and saying, think about this. It's like, oh, no, no, I don't want to think about it. I, I, I just want to do it. So thank God for her and, and her, her wifely. Think about it. How are we going to do this? Oh, you're right. You're right. I'll, I'll put it in the idea stack and get to it later. <laughs> I'd be afraid to see your idea stack. <laughs> I was just oh. going to say, Carla. <laughs> it's everywhere. It's all over the place. Lord. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, I, the show is over, and I can't believe it. I've had so much fun. You are such <laughs> an enthusiastic and, and just... And a dynamic personality. And thank you so very much for being our guest. Uh, we appreciate all the information and sharing that you've done with us. I, I am, as always, grateful for any opportunity to, to, to share with, with, with kindred spirits, with fellow literary alchemists like yourselves, uh, uh, and bounce ideas around because that, that's the only way we, we grow as writers and as people. Uh, so I am deeply grateful that you gave me this chance. Thank you both so much. Oh, our pleasure. And you did. You gave us, you gave us some really great information today. So my, my, my little, I always put a, a couple of little excerpts up on the, the episode on the website. I put some excerpts up and this one's going to be really hard <laughs> to pick because you, you have quite a few gems that you've shared with us. <laughs> so thank you for that too. Absolutely. I, and, and that's a total squee moment. Somebody's going to quote me. Holy crap. That's awesome. <laughs> yes, I'm going to quote you, Dave. <laughs> awesome. Fabulous. Oh, remember everyone, you can go to mythbehaving.com for more information on Dave Robison. It links to his podcast and social media. You can also read his bio and find links to his social media. Don't forget, you can download this episode on iTunes or listen to it right on the MythBehaving.com website. Please take a moment to leave us a positive feedback on iTunes. That's how we move up that iTunes ladder. And don't forget, you can subscribe to us on iTunes, too, and never miss an episode. Thanks for tuning in to MythBehaving. We'll see you again next time. I'm Carla. And I'm Mare. And we are MythBehaving, where reality meets fantasy. See you soon. <laughs> Hehehehe. <laughs>